0: Uh, but welcome to the show you know we're back again with another spooky week and another spooky season and bam chapping it up hit that shit bitch Moist i need birds,
1: birds bees i don't have any it's downstairs <laughs> i had to buy this because one day i forgot birds bees
0: and oh i use a deck because i'm black as shit anyway <laughs> 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 blistex and carmax like our people keep holding it down for years <laughs> But yeah, so welcome to the show. We're doing another serial killer episode, and from the group chat, it all seems pretty heavy. Yes.
2: Mine's a normal I, level of
0: heavy this week. Oh no, mine's, mine's, mine's pretty messed up. Battle me and yours are kind of in the same realm of depravity, so. Mm, <laughs> no. That's heavy,
3: but I don't know if he's really a serial killer. Uh, mine's,
4: mine's an organization cool.
0: again, so I guess we'll get to that. Yeah, so how about we do Robert, Ro- Rob Rat first?
4: Rob Rat. Rob Rat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we can do Kelly, then Battle them. the I'll go last. Okie okay, okay. dokie.
3: Sounds like a plan. But take
0: it away, Robrat. So like Wait, 90s, this is
1: Brothers and Murder, where we talk oh, yeah, 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 people yeah of color. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> music from artists you've probably never heard of before. Welcome to the show. So we decided earlier <laughs> <laughs> that Robert is going to go first.
2: So take <laughs> it away. Yeah. Okay, so late nineties, early two thousands. Um, Before we start, have any of you guys seen The Wire, the TV show The Wire? I
0: refuse to see The Wire.
1: I refuse to see
2: Breaking Bad because people won't shut up about it.
1: I I want to
3: watch it, I just haven't.
1: I'm picky with shows and stuff. I like scary stuff, and it's really hard to get me to watch anything other than hentai, so. Oh my god. (laughs) Scary stuff, I mean. Like horror.
2: (laughs) The wires, based in Baltimore, and the case we're talking about today is essentially some real-life counterparts to some characters in the show, or, you know, depictions in the show. So there is a used-to-be projects in Baltimore called the Terrace House, or Lexington Terrace. Terrace House, sorry, is a Japanese reality TV show. Ignore my dumb brain.
0: Oh, where that girl, she committed suicide, right? Because, like, the whole country, like, bullied
2: her? Probably the pro wrestler wrestler house, chick? Ter, Terrace house is rough. It's like yeah, Big agree. Brother, but Japanese. Wait, but is yeah, it in- reality?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, imagine Big Brother. Is like Big Brother? But this one girl, she got like
2: portrayed it was like, as, like
0: a, 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 a dating girl, element to it. Mm. Yeah, she got portrayed to be like a bitch on the show,
2: and like people online like ripped her to shreds, and she committed suicide. It's mm-hmm. pretty sad. Yeah.
4: yeah that's a
2: But if you're looking for a place to listen to, like, casual spoken Japanese, like, by actual people, not, like, anime characters, Terrace House is great. Anyway, not talking about Japanese celebrity TV, (laughs) The Lexington Terrace Community was a project in Baltimore. It was demolished in the, I believe, early 90s, but that area still operated, so... Like many projects in the 80s, 90s, was an open-air drug market. So, you know, people from the city or from the suburbs would drive through there. People would run up to your car, sell you whatever you're trying to get, and then you leave. And all open-air drug markets, you know, it became a violent crime area. The Lexington air- Lexington Terrace area specifically was run by a loose collection of dealers called the Lexington Terrace Boys. They were an organization that they were dealers who got different had. Different suppliers, but they shared resources such as stash houses, firearms, and they did not directly compete with each other. There were some like anecdotal stories of them like breaking change for each other, or you know, not really. What do you mean by others. breaking change? So like, if someone shows up with a bill you can't break, you'd like, break oh, like a literal. Board. Okay, okay, right. yeah, like making change <laughs> while you're trying to deal. So stuff like that. So the lights and terrace boys. While they worked together, it was more of a loose connection. However, there was a famous case of three, you know, showrunners for the Lexington Terrace Boys, uh, who were eventually convicted and went to trial, Um, and that was the United States versus Foster, Moses, and Taylor. So those are the three kind of big shots that we're going to be talking about today. They eventually were connected to six different murders. So kind of like how we talked previously with the Savage drug ring, a lot of these murders were, you know, not directly tied to these three people, but because they were convicted or committed under the name of the Lexington Terrace boys and by command of these three people, they are held culpable for that. So the three of them were Aaron Foster, also known as Little Aaron, Keon Moses, also known as Black and Michael Taylor, also known as Mike Mumbles. At the time of their conviction, they were all between the ages of 18 and 20. That explains <laughs> it When they were running a drug ring, So this kind of got picked up in the news a little bit, because people are like, well, okay, if these, like, you know, 18, 19-year-olds are running this drug ring of the Lexington Terrace Boys, how old are their, like, soldiers? How old are their dealers? And much of the people involved are very young. the The United States prosecutor, uh, district attorney, had briefly parked a surveillance van on the Lexington Terrace community uh, and was just videotaping the you know day in day out dealing operations. So they had like more than enough evidence to you know convict them on intent to distribute. They caught them with, I think, like 50 grams of crack cocaine, which because of like the one in 100 rules, that's enough to put you away forever. But there was like, you know, because it's a community of people, there was like children walking around, stuff like that, which was just all more used to uh, paint a picture of this kind of destroyed section of the city. Because like in most projects, people are forced to do crime to make ends meet. And kind of how we've talked about in the past, The crack epidemic in the United States is the direct result of government interference. I was talking to a friend recently about, you know, crack epidemic stuff. And we kind of summed it up as it was the only way the U.S. government could fund a foreign war with taxes, but only tax poor black people. And we're getting a little sidetracked. But the Lexington Terrace boys were teenagers who were eventually convicted, uh, life sentences for those six murders. The Lexington Terrace Boys were eventually convicted of intent to distribute possession, possession of firearms, brandishing a weapon, and those six murders that they were tied to. Uh, But again, they didn't directly kill those people. And also witness tampering and murdering a witness, which is something we also saw in the Savage Drug Ring. Another kind of weird aspect of the evidence gathering process is the videos that the district attorney gathered and played in court to help convict these people did not show all of them. Some of them weren't even in the terrorist community at the time, like they were in prison, but those videos were still used to like color the jury and like, you know, convict them, which is a little strange. Yeah, on the on their appeal, it literally just said, and various related substantive offenses. Um, so anything they could like categorize under selling crack. But the reason I like all of these cases is for whatever reason the media at the time really like painted all of these people as like morally corrupt, morally failing, like demons, like evil, evil people. And it's only now that we can like look back on it and say like these people are results directly of like destroyed communities. How do people make gang ties when they're not from a community? Well, they like go to prison and they meet those people or they're forced into crime as a result of like need. Financial need in a community is like solved by crime for many people. Um, Which, you know, I don't mean that as a way to like hand wave away their crimes. Obviously, I'm glad these people were put in prison, they killed people, they got people addicted to crack, but I want us to keep in mind the context under which people commit these crimes. It's kind of like people who don't have the avenues everyone else does in the United States because they broke the projects and it's like sex work, selling drugs, being an enforcer for someone who sells drugs were in their community, legitimate forms of bettering themselves. They're still incarcerated. I believe they are out of appeals at this point. But another interesting aspect of this case was the like semi-peaceful coexistence that all these like loose collection dealers had, which I'm not sure why the district attorney included. Like they talked about that a fair amount about like, oh yeah, they like, they share guns and stash houses and like they have different suppliers and they sell different like brands. Like they uh, all use different colored toppers for their vials so that people like had a color association like oh i buy pink vials i buy white vials those sorts of things that's interesting so like there's they're direct competition with each other and in any other neighborhood that we see in the crack epidemic that typically meant like all-out war you know like kaboni savage was like killing other groups Mm -hmm. but for whatever reason the the terrace the lexington terrace boys maintained this like semi-peaceful existence with each other. The district attorney did state that there was one rule when it came to the Lexington Terrace Boys, and that was either you belonged there or you didn't. And that was their kind of decision point of like, you no longer belong here, and they like either bounced you from the area or killed you. And they used that on dealers, on enforcers, on customers, you know, because they knew the people in the area. They knew people who bought from them regularly, so you either belonged there or you didn't.
3: It's like an ecosystem.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And the the terrace, Lexington Terrace projects, when they were demolished, everyone was kind of celebrating it. They're like, "Yeah, the like the drugs are going to go away. The projects don't exist anymore." And then you know, naturally, all the people that still like lived there were just like, "Okay, now we live it." the surroundings of this demolished project, and we're going to still continue all the local economy stuff. So it was a solution thought up by someone who didn't think about it for very long. Because naturally, the building's the easy thing. You know, you burn down the haunted house and the ghosts go away. Yeah, you know? that's
0: like, <laughs> the that foundations that there, there, bro.
2: Yeah. Don't, those people, they don't stop existing. You know, The damage done to that community is still going to play itself out through these, like, generational... Scars that become drug
4: rings. Yeah, it
3: like always treating the symptom instead of the cause.
2: Yeah,
1: I think that's something that we're like accustomed to doing, though.
3: Oh, definitely. Just
0: easier, like yeah. quicker to like mm-hmm. polish up the appearance and like get into the root of the issue.
4: <laughs> well, well and work, the
3: yes. thing too is that if you treat the symptom and not the cause, like it's one of those things where like you have to admit a certain amount of wrongdoing yourself.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: To like, address it, so...
1: Humility difficult. And nobody is wants to do that. Right?
2: No. Well, I mean, it's cathartic to send a bunch of drug dealers to prison. It's cathartic to put away a murderer or to demolish a building, because then you can... It's like, a very community. good story. Yeah, you can go to the community and say, like, hey, I don't know what that other mayor did. He was, like, trying to pay teachers more money, thinking that would help anything. No, I, I, put, I put Caboni Savage in jail. I put the Lexington Terrace boys in jail. And, you know... <clears throat> It looks like you're doing a lot, but really you have helped nothing. And if anything, you've made those people more well-connected and they can continue to commit crime, just like we saw with Kaboni Savage while he was in prison. It's when he killed the most people under his orders.
0: All right, Kelly, you wanna take it away? Sure.
3: So I decided to cover um, Swift Runner, who was a Cree native in Alberta, Canada in the late 1800s. He was generally well-liked in his community. He had been a trapper, hunter, and guide for the local police. He was married and had five children. So there was a noted change in Swift Runner after he had been spending too much time with white men, having access to whiskey. And over time, he developed a dependence on alcohol and was said to be a mean drunk. In fact, according to one source, he and his family were ostracized because of it and had moved further out from the tribe into the wilderness.
0: So he turned into Kyle, basically.
3: Yeah. Punching walls and drinking monster. He just got drunk and started
0: punching (laughs) walls.
2: Punching (laughs) holes in trees. Yeah, And they're like, bro, you gotta go.
3: Speeding around in his Subaru. (laughs) (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Sad thing. I drink... I drink monsters. I have a Subaru, and I punch holes in my wall.
3: Oh wow! But
1: I have small hands. You see those little dots on my wall? Yeah, those yeah. are oh, all yeah. my holes. Get your
2: hands hand game up, bro. I just <laughs> Melinda's like holes shaking my wall. head in the background. <laughs> <laughs> <You see these laughs> Jesus <little> Christ! <laughs> hey, I was a very like edgy emo kid. Monster was like the cool energy drink. Bottoms uh. up. Just piss I'm hot not a yellow. fan of
3: Monster I drink a coffee one doing it overnight oh, Couldn't concentrate okay. And couldn't sleep
1: I can't drink a whole Monster I like take sips out of it and then I'll put it in the fridge And Melinda's like it fucking stinks in this fridge Like Monster <laughs> I hate the smell of it Nah you haven't lived
0: and you've been overseas And had nothing but ribbits
1: Ribbits <laughs> yes I don't
0: See, know what that is <laughs>
1: Yeah, I know, know Rippets. You can get them at the dollar store for a dollar.
0: It's like, it's like this size. Little they will fuck you up with caffeine.
3: I'm good with my one cup of coffee. Um, Mine had CBD in it this morning, but I don't think it does anything.
4: <laughs> Are you high right now, Kelly? Whoa, yes. Kelly. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but anyway, so... um. The winter of 1878 to 1879 turned out to be a very difficult one. And by spring, there were many rumors circulating through the community when people were no longer seeing his wife and children around. Eventually, Swift Runner did go to the police to report his family's death. He said that they had died due to the harsh conditions and starvation. When police went back to his camp with him, the scene painted a very different story. There were bones laid everywhere, some even drained of marrow.
1: What what? Human bones? Yes. And the chocolate? Bones in the
3: chocolate. <laughs> in the chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, the bones of his family.
1: What? And there's no marrow in them?
3: Mm-hmm.
2: You have already scooped it out. Of candy you don't scoop
1: it out, you suck it out like
3: with a nice yeah. candy. Yeah, those are
2: the boba straws of nature. <laughs> <laughs>
0: the <strongest. laughs> the, forbidden the uh, But
3: he was eventually found guilty of cannibalistic murder, and his Ooh, case has been God. attributed to the Wendigo psychosis for the past um, 140 plus years since what? that took place. Yes. Yeah, so I just wanted to go into it a little bit. A Wendigo is part of the folklore of indigenous people Wendigo. from North America including, but not limited to, the Algonquins, Cree, Ojibwe, and Isidaboian tribes. The lore varies, but a Wendigo is usually characterized as an evil spirit with a cannibalistic bloodlust. A human can be possessed by one, or if on their own, engage in cannibalism, can themselves turn into one. They are described as very tall, gaunt creatures that supposedly grow in proportion to their meal so that they are never satisfied. So they serve as a warning against eating other humans, even in severe cases for survival. They are associated with famine that usually comes along with the dark and cold winter months, especially up north. The existence of Wendigo psychosis has been hotly debated in more modern times, and just as a quick definition, Wendigo psychosis is a severe culture-bound syndrome occurring among northern Algonquin natives living in Canada and the northeastern United States. The syndrome is characterized by delusions of becoming possessed by a flesh-eating monster and is manifested in symptoms including depression, violence, a compulsive desire for human flesh, and sometimes actual cannibalism. So, I also figured that maybe, like, if you guys wanted to discuss it a little bit about whether or not... Because it's it's been um, like I said, hotly contested about whether it is. No, I did
0: read an but... article about like cannibalism, and it's like it, if you're hungry enough, like you're starving. I forget there's a chemical in your brain that kind of like inhibits certain factors in your head. So like, so things that you don't consider something that you would eat if you're starving, yo, that's now an option for you. So mm-hmm. in lot of those cases was one of the arguments. When people are starving to turn to cannibalism it's like they're at that point of desperation where they're like fuck it your brain's just like fuck it eat <laughs> like, we need some calorie <laughs> I, know, I mean yeah. the whole
3: Donner party I just think it's interesting to like the fact that this particular psychosis is characterized by their folklore the, because the folklore. yeah because yeah, they say generally that like Wendigo psychosis only is attributed to um, indigenous people in North America but it's less so now, like, with urbanization and things like that. But, I mean, I think it's a possibility that, like, your um, culture and your lore can affect, like, the men- like mental disorders or things like that. Right.
2: The your community. It makes me think of, like, people who think they get, like, I forget what it's called. The, like, uh, the werewolf... Uh, Delusions. I'll like, oh, be a lunatic. Best- I think that's where it comes from. I don't remember. Yeah, because it's like, like, with the moon full moon, the moon, moon of as it's a trigger. you mean like lichens? Ecchymothy. Uh, well, I mean, in folklore, yes, but like mm-hmm. people with actual mental illness, like you know, bipolar. Do you to associate like that with like being a full moon? Yeah, oh, because yeah, you have yeah. that, like, cultural background of, like, hey, the full moon turns werewolves. I think I'm a werewolf. I'm going to – my brain's going to treat that as a trigger now to put me in this thought cycle where I, like, commit violence.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, if you think about it, too, the thing that it made me think of is, like, religious fanaticism, especially within, like, Christianity. You mm-hmm. know, like, I mean, if you think of, like, the idea of um, Carrie White's mother, you know, in Carrie, the movie. Oh, yeah. yeah. The way that she's so intense that, like, she abuses her child because of her beliefs. How?
2: <laughs> that, or, or, people who do self in sli- self inflicted stigmata. Like, that's mm-hmm. a very specific injury. That's what's like, that? A, uh, stigmata, you know, like like uh, holes in your hands, like you're being crucified. Like Jesus. Ah. Or yeah. like crown of thorns. Like
3: know? what's it called? Um, like self-flagellation, where they like take the thing um, and like hit themselves on the back in Catholicism. Yeah.
2: Yeah, they do that. So I, I mean, that totally makes sense to me. That like you take the same mental illness and you put it in different cultures, it's going to manifest in different ways. Yeah. So like, yeah. we're looking at a person who was like self isolating, who was having substance abuse issues, and then it culminated in uh, family annihilation. Like that's not a crazy story. And yeah. the There's kind of like this weird, like almost like cultural racism that gets attached to it by like making it like a special like wendigo thing, you know? Yeah. Which, like, I, I, I understand, because he may have actually believed he was becoming a wendigo, or that he was.
0: And, and a lot of those folklore stories really come from a place of, like, hey, don't do this, because this is not good. We're don't, we don't, we're not cool with this. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of the comes from. The
2: taboos yeah. of your culture? Yeah. Yeah.
0: 100%. But you see that like, Christianity, too.
2: So, I don't... <laughs> I mean... For a culture like so against like human like consumption and like cannibalism, that I always found very strange the like symbolic eating of flesh and blood in like communion. Like that's a that's hmm. strange to me.
4: Well,
3: I guess it's different if it's the body and blood of Christ. Like you're, yeah, a he deity. tastes
0: different.
2: Yeah. He's wine and bread. The
3: other, Ooh. other white meat. The other, <laughs> oh,
2: the, 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 the Eucharist. Eucharist other the other, Jesus other, other white meat.
3: <laughs> <laughs> What else was I gonna say? There's something else I wanted to add to it. Oh, I did watch
0: those... a documentary too about a tribe at Amazon that still eats people, and someone went and interviewed them a couple of years ago. In an interview, they said that people taste like pork. Yeah,
2: that is. So that's, why, like, that's why it's, that's why it's, it's called monkey. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, and it's actually not super uncommon. We actually see it a, a fair amount. Like, uh, there's some like funeral practices. Like, you are cremated, and then your ashes are mixed into soup, and then like the tribe shares you. Like mm-hmm. that is a form of cannibalism that's like part of a funerary practice.
4: Yeah, yeah,
2: and stuff like that. Or like some people use it to like purge evil from a community. Like you eat the witch, which like, like the thing that happens.
3: And another eat the witch. concept of it that like the whole thing too with like certain cannibalism is that like if you eat the brain or the brain stem, like that can actually cause another form of like insanity. I believe. Mm-hmm.
2: You get sick from that. Right? Yeah, I think it's like the prions in the meat or something. Yeah, the uh, I in the I want to say it's the Fijians, but somebody Google check it while you're listening to this because uh, oh. they they also have a similar practice of like eating your enemies to like absorb their power. It's um, not healthy.
4: Mm. Yeah.
2: Oh, same with, like the, in Europe. Fijian cannibalism.
3: But the the one thing I was going to say too that was interesting also about his whole case is that like it's one thing like like to eat another person when you are in survival mode, you know, like when you're trying to like survive. Yeah. Um, but yeah. they were saying that like I think they there was emergency food supply 25 miles from where his camp was.
0: So he had options.
3: Yeah so like it wasn't necessarily that he needed to eat them but also this is like information that's been handed down from a much different time so yeah I was like googling it cause like 25 miles sounds like pretty far but I guess you can get there in
1: like a day and a half if you're running you can there get there in back. like 4 or 5 hours
0: yeah but we're not all battle we just <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: I, I'm curious if there's like any nutritional value from eating people like I, imagine, I get that
0: the I mean yeah,
2: absolutely
0: I eat. get it probably depends on a person how much nutrition you like you know just all like if you just eat someone, who's just pure muscle you ain't getting much muscle true hmm not a good I'd like, uh, probably eat Robert last Yay, thank you <laughs> I don't know hurt. Hurt.
2: Ah. He's, he's
0: my biggest threat <laughs> He's gonna eat me first yeah. he's, he's the one, one who's
2: probably Take me down, so I gotta like knock him off first Okay and that well, fear If we all ever head. get caught In like an avalanche or like on a plane Goes down on our way to like CrimeCon Or something, we eat oh, Andre first knives? We all get together okay. and we take
4: out Andre and as soon as
0: we crash, like 10 minutes later, <laughs> you're gonna see he's gnawing on bouncing.
2: <laughs> and he's not even minutes. hungry, he's just That's like. Yeah, you I'm still like, have like peanuts from the plane? Nope. Going after Battle. <laughs> <laughs> battle
1: immediately. I'm <laughs> he gets rescued 20 minutes later. Like, <laughs> like Come on, come on <laughs> why? <laughs> I was hungry. <laughs> Sir, you had peanuts. <laughs> you had I just the free biscuit off,
3: speaking of which <laughs> here's my chance I just chance. watched the movie Raw
4: yes Raw
2: did I watch that? it's a French language film it's on very, Netflix very, I have not fun. watched
1: it I have not and watched it I we'll to watch are you know,
2: gonna do
0: it to a small break
4: and now a short commercial break
3: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft,
1: fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low, net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.
0: All right, and we're back. Mine is about Eddie Lee Mosley, who was an American serial killer and a rapist who murdered at least eight women in Fort Lauderdale, Florida between 1973 and 1987. But he raped a lot more than he murdered. It, we'll get into it. It's pretty insane how much he got away with. But first, sorry, I
1: was going to go first just because I have like a trigger warning about the whole rape and sexual assault thing.
0: I want to say it now because my involves that too.
1: Okay, yeah. So, before we dive into our cases, I just want to preface it that, that they are give you all a trigger warning because both of our cases discuss rape and assault, which I know a lot of the things that we discuss are pretty morbid and could be obscene, but rape and sexual assault have been a thing forever and is on the rise all over the place. So, if you don't want to hear about... This stuff, um, please just go to the next episode or stop listening here.
3: I did not know that.
1: That's not. That's yeah, on it's the rise. yeah. I mean, look at USC, um, University of S- Southern California. They're in trouble right now. They're one of their one of their fraternities got shut down because there was a whole thing like this happened in the last like twenty four hours. Jesus. There's a whole thing with their this fraternity not saying that all fraternities are bad but like mm. a lot of they bad things happen with, yeah this fraternity was like drugging and drugging people with like their drinks and stuff at parties and sexual assaulting a lot of women and that's just women that are coming forward and that's not the women mm. and men that are not coming forward because it, yeah. there's a lot of humility associated around that
0: but uh, so something like that also recently two, happened at the University of Delaware going where, like, up, those... up. sorry Oop sorry yeah but this girl got like assaulted and like punched in the face yeah and uh they just had a i seen it on tiktok my partner said that to me they just had like a protest outside of their outside their fraternity
3: i think i saw that and, too like,
0: the guys were on the porch like laughing about it and shit because I do like got off he's like home now and everyone's like why hasn't he been kicked out of school yet
3: and they're trying to shut down the whole fraternity too
0: just because they like, should because yeah
3: they had all right I think it was fsu i don't remember where exactly but i remember seeing this girl's tiktok about it specifically and like even in their like i don't know what it is like their handbook or whatever the boys have to like sign before they like join it has specific things in there about like sexual
2: assault or like how they treat people yeah yeah so I mean so that's one thing to keep in mind when we talk about like if the statistics are showing like a positive trend in rape like it's continuing to go up uh, that may be as a result of more people feeling comfortable coming forward about
4: mm-hmm.
2: it yeah. um, and or our understanding of like consent and definition of rape is expanding as well
0: yeah mm-hmm. like I, I recently I heard a case about someone who did a thing called stealthing they just made that illegal in California and I didn't know what stealthing was I don't know what it is. It is... So, uh,
3: oh, do
0: you want to go for it? Oh, yeah. So basically, it means, like, if you're having consensual sex with somebody, but, you know, you tell them that you're going to use protection, and then you just don't, and they're under the guise that you're using protection the whole time, that's stealthy because, like, they were consenting to right sex with a condom, and not, like, you know, and then you misled them, saying that you're going to use protection, and then you didn't.
3: And I think they should even expand that further, where, like, if you're having, like, if you specifically have to lie to someone to have sex with them in any capacity, then, like, I think that kind of to fall under thing, coercive, right? yeah, coercive sex. Yeah. Because it, then they would not have had sex with you.
0: <laughs> yeah, a YouTuber who just got, like, he's, he's, getting along, he's getting sued for that, rightfully so, because this girl he was dating was like hey you stealth me <laughs> I didn't consent to like not using the condom you could have gave me something yeah, which is right. 100% valid and fair yeah
2: so, and even conditions change that led to their consent like
0: yeah, yeah. so uh, sorry for the tangent we'll get back to Eddie Lee Mosley because it doesn't get better but so he was born as a third child out of 10 kids in Fort Lauderdale Florida uh, at his birth he had a real bad respiratory disease as a child And this caused him a slew of other birth issues and also, like, mental defects. So, at an early age, he showed an intellectual disability, mental instability, and also had amnesia problems. Which I didn't know that, like, kids could just suffer from amnesia, but... Apparently, if you're a sick enough kid, you can suffer from amnesia. So, in 1960, at the age of 13, he was forced to leave school after, like, getting held back into third grade several times. And he just got kicked out of school. In his teen years, he lived in poor conditions and then showed signs of having an antisocial personality. Now, not having any formal education, he was forced to engage in like skilled labor and like petty crime. Uh, Soon, due to financial difficulties, he leaned more into crime other than like having a normal skilled labor job because if you're poor, uneducated, and in a poor area, how else are you gonna make money? Not an excuse, but like you can see how someone's can be pushed towards a life of crime. So now, in 1965, he had been arrested already nine times on various charges, including uh, indecent behavior, robbery, assault, attempted rape, and murder. He spent five and a half years in prison and almost six years in different. Uh, sorry, five and a half years in prison and also six different psychiatric wards. So the reason he, you'll see this a lot throughout his history. He'll like go to prison and then get out because he's getting switched from prison to a psych ward and then released from the psych ward and then back to prison, back to psych ward and then released again. Mm-hmm. So
4: now between 1971
0: and 1973, almost 150 rapes of girls and women were Jeez. recorded in the Fort Lauderdale area where he lived. In all the cases, the perpetrator was described as a young, tall black man with an athletic build and a scar on his left cheek. Under the threat of physical violence, he would lure these women and girls to isolated areas and choke and sexually abuse them. Now, on July 23rd, 1973, three rape victims identified him as the assailant. And it was like basically just due to his description. He was a very like standout, a very easily to identify person.
2: Yeah, facial uh, scar. That picks you out of a crowd immediately.
0: Yeah, being a tall dude with a facial scar, people are going to point you out. And those two women pointing him out correlated to uh, the other people who came forward with composite sketches, and they are just like putting two and two together, like this is the same guy who's raping all these women. So... Yeah. So after his arrest, his photographs were shown to other victims, resulting in forty different women identifying him as their rapist. Uh, during this period, Eddie was, all, was also the primary suspect in a rape and murder of two young black girls in Fort Lauderdale, and he got dropped off of that case due to insufficient evidence, and he also couldn't find like the body or the weapons. So, so however, following a mental evaluation, he was found to be clinically insane and was ordered like to get sent to another Florida state hospital where he spent only five years. So for 40 some odd rapes and maybe more and possibly two murders, he just spent five years in a psych ward.
2: That like, is crazy to me how like low sexual assault or like sexual violence is like viewed that's going like, to be the that's biggest takeaway from this insane to me
0: like you have a damn near 150 women saying that this guy raped me 40 confirmed to say that this guy raped them and he just spends 5 years away like it's, he's clearly a danger to women in society I was going to
2: say that like what was the time period uh, between
0: 1970 and 1973 is when like all the rapes were all happening
2: Jesus
0: Christ that's
3: a lot in three years Mm
0: -hmm. it's insane so but it doesn't end there so during his imprisonment uh, no other similar rapes or murders had occurred in the area so while he was in prison that whole time nothing else was happening in Fort Lauderdale so it's obviously that they got the right guy if no one else is being assaulted for the next like five years so that Mosley was transferred from South Florida State Hospital to Crimpwood Pines After completing a five month treatment course in that summer of the year, he was deemed cured and no longer a danger to society and was released. But he continued his treatment by doing like an outpatient thing where he would go see a psychiatrist every now and again just to like check up on him. And after, and then he also moved back to his parents' house in Fort Lauderdale. So he just went back to the same area where like he was committing these crimes. So over the next seven months, seven young girls were found raped and murdered in that same year. Jesus Christ, dude. And Eddie was quickly became the prime suspect again, because obviously things were silent when you were gone, and then when you come back, all this happens. Mm-hmm. So in early 1980, uh, fearful of the increased attention of law enforcement upon him, he left the city. He moved back to Lakeland with his grandmother. And not long after, he became the prime suspect again in the disappearance of two girls, Ida Eagles and Letha May Williams. They went missing shortly after his arrival to the town, and Mosley was arrested, interrogated, but released, as the victim's bodies, once again, could not be located. He returned to Fort Lauderdale in April 12, 1980, where he was arrested for attempting to rape another young girl. So, literally, wherever this guy would go, No matter what town he was in, he was just a danger to women.
2: I mean, that's a a part of like prison we don't really talk about or like criminal justice is like people like argue about rehabilitation versus punishment. But there's also the aspect of like community protection. Yeah. Yeah. Getting those dangerous people away from vulnerable people. And like, and like
0: not being able to go back to the same place where you like victimized people, yeah. like you just you just threw him back into his hunting ground. Like he knows where to go, he knows the spots where to go. You know, yeah. like he knows where to daryl. Right. So now he was found guilty and sentenced to 15 years imprisonment. Now while Mosley was in prison, he the skeletal remains of Ida and Williams were discovered near Lakeland. What the? Fuck? While incarcerated, yeah. So they finally found the bodies after they imprisoned them. So now, while he was in prison, he obviously was not a model prisoner. He exhibited aggressive behavior, often physical and sexual, towards other prisoners. And one occasion, even uh, fighting the guards and threatening to like set the whole place on fire. His family later hired a lawyer who filed an appeal to overturn his verdict in a new trial, citing the incompetence of his previous lawyer, who hadn't filed for a psychological examination of his client. But it's it's like, what would that do for him? He's already (laughs) committed so many heinous crimes. We know that something's mentally wrong with him, but obviously leaving him in psych wards hasn't been beneficial towards him or anyone else in the community at large. Yeah. Like, you would like, be there for your family, but... Come on. <laughs> so now, in January 1984, Mosley came under police suspicion again after the bodies of a 36-year-old woman and a 54 uh, yeah, 36- and 54-year-old woman were found in Northwestern Fort Lauderdale, and they were raped and killed via strangulation. Now, in 1984, he was arrested for raping a 22-year-old woman at trial he pled not guilty, claiming that the sexual assault was uh, consensual and he offered them drugs. And his lawyer managed to actually portray well successfully portray that one incident as a consensual sexual encounter because drugs were involved, even though the woman claimed the most rape evil person abuse. in the world. Like it's a shitty lawyer. Oh, oh and it's the same lawyer that got him a reduced sentence from those last trials, because he only spent three years in prison. For those last handful of things, and he got back out and he committed these other crimes. You know? Yeah. So in October of that same year, he was acquitted and released on those other two charges that he caught. Uh, and after committing two more murders, and also Fort Lauderdale again, uh, he was. Con- well, the sheriff's department was contacted by the FBI, which basically cracked down on him, and has in fact following him and casing cases around him and were able to connect him to 24 rapes and a strangulation of a specific woman who was connected to a different case that we covered forever ago that like they thought someone they thought that this guy did it he was wrongly convicted turns out it was eddie Mosley the whole time Jesus. so basically he just kept getting hit and hit and hit with murder cases but then kept getting Off somehow, we're getting like reduced sentences, and then it's going back out and doing it again.
3: And they're not like noticing this pattern; they're just
0: a lot of it seems to be like different police stations not talking to each other, like (laughs) passing information around, even though it's literally just Fort Lauderdale and Lakeland. And he's just bouncing back and forth, committing crimes in both
3: on like specific I guess I don't know
0: I mean in the 70s yeah they didn't really talk to
4: each
0: other yet Um. so now he's continuing to get off on shit the FBI is now watching him let's jump to 1987 where he was arrested for theft and by this time his blood group matched with the semen samples taken from the bodies of multiple murder victims and it was found to be a match obviously with like all of them Eddie showed evidence to his involvement in numerous crimes committed over almost two decades all committed in a city near his home of interrogation Mosley tried to make up an alibi with detailed descriptions of like basically he tried to lie but his lies were bad because it would always circle around to him being in the same area as these bodies were found Uh, he tried to give a testimony but they began to mess up his testimony getting dates, geography data even seasons wrong in the end, he confessed to the murder of only two women, and he was charged with those in 1987. But several other sex workers also came out in the area saying that he also raped them. But they didn't really go that far because at the time no one really respected sex workers enough to like give their testifi- their testifications any validity. Now, during this, uh, during this trial, he was given various tests for his IQ, IQ tests, and he scored a 51, and they deemed him incompetent to stand trial. And he was just sentenced at a prison time this time again, and sentenced back to another state hospital.
3: Because so that worked like, so well.
0: Yeah. The first, so like, after, 50 times. Yeah, after all these murders and shit like that, he's still just not getting the proper due. So, for the remainder of his life, Mosley had been shuffled between various uh, clini- clinics and mental hospitals. And in two thousand, his and in two thousand, his saliva and blood sample were taken for DNA testing again. This is kind of when like cold cases were being reopened with new technology. It was proven that he was connected to at least seven more murders, and he was also charged with the death of a fifteen-year-old girl. Proving someone that we covered on the show before, Jerry Frank Townsend, it helped prove his innocence. Wow. Yeah, and we covered him ages ago, but yeah. So after you know some new technology came out, they were able to free someone else because this person did it. Uh, he was once again arrested in 1979 in Miami for raping a different girl again. So now, fast forward to the year 2000s. He is still suffering from you know his mental illnesses. He is was he was transferred to Sunland Center in Florida and in the spring of twenty twenty he was diagnosed with pneumonia and moved to Jackson Hospital where he died on May twenty-eighth, twenty twenty at seventy-three. And shortly before his death he also tested positive for coronavirus. So that may have added to Mm -hmm. may have pushed him along into dying. Yeah, and that's the long, disgusting, and unbelievable case of Enid Mosley, where he kept murdering and raping women over two decades and kept getting off and being allowed to continue to do it.
3: Well, who were the majority of his victims?
0: Black women. Yeah, that's yeah. what I. Black women and black girls. And and researching that one, that was like kind of, it's like really hard to script out because there was just so many. Yeah so many victims. And it's like, well,
3: that's the thing is like, it's hard enough to get like police to believe rape in the first place. So let alone
1: like the other factors in there of race and all that doesn't help. Not to mention like in the eighties, that's when like the crack em- epidemic was like really hitting the black community, mm-hmm. like really hard. So I talk about that in my case about what, Happens with people that are raped and they try to say, hey, this is what's going on. Or like they find crack in their system and just like, okay, I can't believe you because you're under the influence or you've been under the influence recently of crack.
3: And the other thing that it kind of um, brings up is like the level of accountability in a person when they have established like, mental illnesses like we know that those kinds of things I mean there's a lot of things where like you can't do certain heinous things if something is not wrong yeah you know but like at what point like where does the accountability fall like how much do we take it into account mental illness versus like this person still knows that
2: this is a wrong thing to do yeah so well and then we kind of go back to like the community protection aspect of it you know like you know even if this is a result of like mental illness I mean That just means the care that is required for your mental illness may also mean some either imprisonment or, like, denial of access to public resources. The battle, uh,
1: take it away, my friend. Again, trigger warning everyone that's listening. I get it. It's tough. But our few moments of being uncomfortable about talking about something that's really real shouldn't matter because things like this should be talked about and awareness should be brought to them, And with that being said, my case is about a person named Michael Hughes, who was eventually convicted and sentenced to life without parole for his heinous crimes against women. Hughes was born in Michigan in 1958. However, at a young age, he moved and grew up in Southern California, specifically Pasadena, California. And prior to moving to Pasadena, before his fifth birthday, his father actually left him and his family Which is really crazy because he did an interview and said that his father was a really nice man and stuff like that. Prior to his enlistment in the Navy, because he is a Navy veteran, he grew up in a pretty bad household. It has been said, and he said that his mother was single and abusive and was an alcoholic. And according according to an interview conducted by Unforbidden Truth, someone on YouTube that does like these cases... His mother was a lot more strict with him and was a lot more abusive to him relative to his sister. And the biggest thing that he took away from and that he feared for himself as a kid and growing up was that he was physically abused and beaten. And that was very detrimental to him. Which I'm not trying to give him a scapegoat or anything like that, but this I think it's important to look at why people do the things that they do. And we've talked about I it before.
0: Context matters. I beating kids. It's yeah. so weird to me. It <laughs> kills me every time. Because it's a pattern, if you, right?
2: If you even begin to say the words, I turned out okay? Because like, um, obviously you did because you, you want to beat up a toddler. <laughs> you're yeah. literally just describing the cycle of abuse
3: yeah like you turned out okay in spite of the fact that your parents hit you not
2: because of it well you turned out okay but you still became a person who thought it's okay to hit kids
1: yeah, yeah and that's-, that's like something like for me i grew up in a very like i was like we're, i was taken away as a kid because there was physical like there's domestic violence in my house and before even thinking about having a kid like for me personally like I did a lot of therapy because I have a lot of daddy issues and it was very scary and it's something that like I had to talk about a lot especially with Melinda that I'm afraid that I might do something because I was abused and it's and just because like I survived domestic violence domestic violence doesn't mean like I feel like I'm more susceptible to continuing that pattern however for me I tried to intervene and I still talk about like these things like I I, it makes me nervous and like Melinda and I have a very good pattern like if one of us is frustrated we step in and say like okay I'm going to take it go chill out like because this is not good that you're upset so we we try to work in tandem and I think that's something that we're going to continue to do but so obviously
2: that's like like the dream strategy for someone who's coming out of that scenario is Mm -hmm. get therapy and get a partner who can hold you accountable
3: Mm-hmm. And I think the most important thing too is like your awareness
1: mm-hmm. of yeah, it.
2: Absolutely.
1: It. I, I definitely don't want to continue that pattern because my dad also experienced that, which is I think the reason why he was like that with us. And I don't want to be like that. And I am. I'm glad that I have Melinda, and I'm glad that like I took it upon myself to get help. And I. I know that's not the case for everyone else and other people that have to experience it, especially and the black community where sometimes mental health isn't taken as serious and it, it, and it, it's tough and i feel with so many people that don't want to get help i understand that and it takes time but it's okay
2: yeah on my list of 3 things that is for everyone feminism therapy <coughs> and <content. laughs>
1: for everyone yes so He grew up being physically abused and it was detrimental to him. However, this does not excuse any type of the crimes that he committed. Discussing his background and other backgrounds on this helps draw a picture on why people are more likely to commit the types of crimes that they do, because there's definitely a pattern. So along with having a bad childhood and other patterns that define people that do these things, one thing that we talk about often is mental trauma and according to Hughes himself he was hospitalized at a young age for having mental breaks or mental breakdowns so I think he was under the age of 10 when he actually was hospitalized because life was very difficult for him so again was he destined to fall into a life of hurting others because he himself was hurt I don't know maybe but at some point, there has to be some type of accountability for our action. On January 22nd of 1986, a young 15-year-old girl named Yvonne Coleman was leaving her boyfriend's house. While on the way home, sometime between leaving her boyfriend's house and going home, she crossed paths with Hughes. He sexually assaulted her, he raped her, and strangled her in or around Inglewood Park. He was never found, however, her body was found months later in May of that year another 15 year old girl was found strangled and had signs of being raped and sexually assaulted her name was Vernell Williams fast forward to August 30th of 1990 the body of Deanna Wilson who was also who was 30 years old was found raped and strangled and something to realize around this time around these murders that were happening especially like I said earlier in the late 80s the crack epidemic was running rampant in southern california so some of the women that were found could have possibly could have been possibly labeled as victims in that epidemic because crack was going around and unfortunately it hit my community very deeply like black people black women were being fed this shit at, at high high rates so according to thomas watkins of the associated press when talking to the detect the homicide detective Clifford Clifford Shepherd, he said that many of the women that were found in these areas had cocaine in their system. However, he was not explicit in saying that these women that were found during these murders that Hughes had com- committed had cocaine in their systems. It was just something that he stated. So, July two th- July third, two thousand eight, hom- homicide detectives were able to link his. DNA to the victims DNA, to new victims DNA using new technology so this was, this coincided with what Andre was talking about, like new technology that helped bring more cases to put these murders on other people, on these different murderers and I know I talked about 2008 but I think it's important because to talk about it because more victims, more bodies were found which helped keep him in prison because He was first arrested in December of 1993, and by 1998, he was found guilty of murder. And he was convicted and found guilty of murder and got life in prison without the possibility of parole. Ten years after his conviction and sentencing, that's when investigators were able to link him to at least four more victims with that new technology. They think that he had more victims though because he lived in different places because remember I said he was in the Navy and he was stationed in different states and they believe that he killed and raped more or raped and killed more women but at that time they didn't they couldn't link it however things were happening around the same time so the big takeaway from this is that yes, mental health is an issue, sexual assault is on the rise, it happens daily, but also with him being a Navy veteran, it also shows that given the right circumstances, people can do horrible things and just because someone has some type of status in their some type of status in their communities, whatever they do, their profession, doesn't mean that they are absolved and they can't do these things because People are susceptible to it. Everyone is susceptible to it given the right circumstances.
2: But And sometimes people directly search for those positions of power mm-hmm. so that they mm-hmm. can mm-hmm. commit such
1: Absolutely. But that's my case.
2: Sorry. I mean no, it was <laughs> sorry. Well no, and like those are important cases to talk about. Like when we're talking about like crimes against people of color that like get overlooked.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And also these are important huge on that list.
3: These are important conversations to have, especially like when we take into consideration like your environment, your mental health, you know, all these different kinds of things (laughs) as far as like why people commit crimes.
0: Yeah. So that's sometimes we get uncomfortable, but that's okay. (laughs) Yeah.
3: Gotta work through the uncomfortability,
0: if that's a word. I don't know. We're gonna make it one. Yes. (laughs) Yes, <laughs> but yeah. Any other thoughts? That was our episode. But any thoughts on the cases, anybody?
2: I like to see that. Like, kind of in all of our cases, we were different time periods, and like the technology and like science of the time kind of came into play, which is interesting. Um, and I think the, the, like the biggest improvements we've seen in policing are not a result of like super cops solving crimes as a result <laughs> of, like, oh, we now have a national database. Oh, we actually tested the rape kits. Those We no, like can make things. communities more aware of what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's a big thing, too. To I, like, that's something I, I dislike, and I've seen a lot of, like, crime documentaries and stuff, is they, like, they have, like, specific detectives who, like, they're celebrities, like...
0: Yeah. Joe
3: Kenda?
2: Uh-huh. That they, like, pull in all the time, and they're like, tell us about that one case again, and it comes back to their, like, this moment of genius where I saw all the pieces coming together. Like, yeah, okay. I'm not going to oh.
0: applaud you for doing your job, sir. And like,
2: <laughs> I'm so glad that you helped put this person in prison, but if we had a better structure around it, we wouldn't rely on genius of one person to figure it out. That's not a good thing.
3: Well, that's the thing, too, I've always noticed, is that, like, with both killers and cop detectives alike, we attribute this level of, like... Oh well, they were so smart. They were like blah 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 blah, and it's like that's not true at all. Generally, I mean, maybe that's an exception, but like
0: yeah, like, like a lot of these serial killers are idiots. Yeah, just, like, they're just getting away with it because of circumstances. Well, yeah, because they're <laughs> so just, just like through the practice society.
3: They're outsmarting the police, but they're not. The police are just not doing their jobs.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, in another <laughs> you know? aspect of like Battle's case, you were talking about like it was happening during the crack epidemic, which was just soaking up all the resources for those police departments. Like, yeah. I don't care how good your super cops are or whatever you want to call them. Like, <laughs> you don't—you only have so many people and so much money and the government is telling you you got to go deal with the crack epidemic that they caused.
3: Well, that, and the one thing that you were saying about how they found, like, Coke in all these women's systems, like, I wonder how true that actually is or yeah. if they're just saying that to kind of, like,
2: blow it off no, so that they don't have to right. investigate. Or to get the public to not care about them so that they yeah. can just... Make
4: it a cold case and forget about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember don't back in the day when so. they
2: used copies like sprinkled crack on dead bodies. Back in the day, they still plant evidence.
0: I mean, yeah, they still plant evidence. <laughs> yeah. Shit ain't sweet. But on that depressing note, that comes in conclusion of our episode because we've been talking for a while.
4: <laughs>
0: but yeah, uh, enjoy the music. Robert, do you have anything to plug?
2: Nope.
0: No? Nope.
2: I don't, well, when's this going to come out?
0: Probably this week,
2: next week. Okay, so I'm uh, a part of a band called Freddie mm. versus, like Freddie versus Jason, just the first set.
4: Spooky half. boy, Robert.
2: Spooky boy. Uh, <laughs> what even, are you doing, it, Robert? Uh, I perform. He can't
4: say as
2: uh, a, a uh, uh, but I'm also a writer. I help write the music. Um. And uh, we're going to be on Spotify by the end of the month Just in time for Haunted Halloween parties uh, So you should check us out We're spooky rock music So uh, I think like Chucky, Scream Those sorts of movies That kind of music Freddy Versus, you can find us on Spotify On your uh, Instagram
0: That kind of stuff We'll, we'll, we'll link some shit, it's alright We we'll got you. Some shit. It. It's kind of fun <laughs> Yeah, but uh, K-Money, anything to plug?
3: Nope.
1: <laughs> Battle? No. Drink sparkling water, it tastes good. Ever since Cosmo, I've been buying cases of... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you <laughs> fancy.
3: <Greeno>. I drink <laughs> sparkling water instead of real water because I... <laughs> I <I'm sorry.
1: laughs>
2: <laughs> And also, I-, I low-key don't trust the pipes in my apartment building. Neither right.
3: do so, so I, I like have water. a water purifier. Right. I still good don't like water. flat water.
0: But yeah, so that's I'm one of those episode. people. Enjoy the music and uh, see you later. Bye, everyone.
2: <laughs> Time now for your latest weather forecast.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas?
4: Away. You said to see your family, but I ran into you yesterday and you never saw it coming, baby. I knew you knew what I thought. Did you leave or not? You said that you meant to, but you forgot and I never saw it come. Should have